Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tyler. And I'm your other host. My name is Stephanie. And, and we're we are... here to do a show today. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see if we'd think of the same thing. Nope. We are uh, presenting er, you. One of these days. One of these days. We'll, we'll be like a mind meld. Um, we were just chatting before we started recording. Uh, yeah. Tyler's interviewing for new jobs. I'm in the midst of rehearsals we're gonna go see a christmas carol tomorrow night so by the yeah. time this airs we'll have seen it two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> which is but, kind of like really good timing so i know december yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this week's uh I, I almost said guest but trio of guests they they reached out to us first right yes like, um i guess we should i'll give us a shout out to my friend troy barboza um, he's the one that connected uh, oh, his friend Troy. Fern to mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, and Fern, oh wait, I gotta, I'm gonna look at these names because otherwise I'm not gonna say them correctly, and it's gonna be a problem. All right, Fern Lim, Rachel K. Barclay, and Kayla Conroy are three lovely ladies who, um, for the past five. Nope, more than five. Yeah, no, five years, five, six years have been working on a web series called Human Telegraphs. And it's this cute, quirky little series that just finally released its full uh, season on YouTube a few weeks ago. Um, It's doing the festival circuit. It's, you know, it's it's super fun. Um, And the three of them joined us today to kind of tell us about it and how it came to be and, and everything. And they were just, three awesome ladies to chat with. So um, we're really excited to share their story with you. Um, yeah. And let's welcome them to the show. Welcome ladies of human telegraphs. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, why don't we start with Fern since you've been my emailer, uh, you introduce yourself and then we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm Fern Lim. Um, I am one of the producers of Human Telegraphs and also one of the lead actors. And I also handled um, branding and art design. Wait, art? What? I just lost the word. Art director. I'm the art director. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Love it. Maybe you were thinking of set design, but I think we even called that art direction. Yeah. Yeah. I always get confused too. It's the theater background. The theater school yeah. design. It's in theater, then, it's like set design, I think. And it felt like Fern was doing that sometimes. She was climbing over couches and like hanging up posters on walls and things. So it felt <laughs> yeah. very like set decor at times. Yeah. And I do graphic <laughs> design. So like, yeah. I don't know, art things. I do art things. Yeah. Love I think it. in our, in our pitch video, I was re-watching it on Seed and Spark recently. And, and you were like, I'm Fern and I just des- design lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's an accurate description. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh, Kayla, how about you do? You're next. Okay, I'm next. Hey, I'm Kayla Conroy. I play Margot in Human Telegraphs and I directed the series and co-produced with Rachel and Fern. 
and Rachel. And I'm Rachel K. Barclay. I also co-produced, obviously, with Kaylin Fern, and I created and wrote the series, and I play uh, the character Lily. Love it. Yay. So much talent. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I legit just watched the first episode uh well technically the second because the pilot yes. is hidden i guess awesome. <laughs> good job you you did it right i did it <laughs> right yeah you're like you're trying to figure out how to like organize our youtube so that people would go straight to episode two <laughs> so that's right right no it worked great i don't i didn't even see a pilot option so uh but it was it we'll was super cute but i'd love for you guys to kind of talk about uh what the show is or the series yeah Thanks. Okay, sure. Um, so the series is, well, there's two components to it. Uh, the, the premise uh, that we see in the pilot and that's carried throughout season one uh, is that the three main characters, Trisha, Lily, and Margot, uh, form a human message delivery business. Is what they're, they're calling it human telegraphs. And it's basically an in-person message delivery business uh, in New York City where they deliver messages verbatim in person to strangers and their private residences, their work office areas. Uh, it can be out at the market or in a library, you know, wherever the, the client would like the girls to deliver the message, they could just do a regular first person message. Hey, Monica, it's me, Hank. Or they could um, do a rap or sing a song or put on a crazy costume. They're really up, you know, for anything as long as they get paid and so the 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 major premise of the show is that we meet new characters in each episode uh, uh to whom like the girls deliver messages to and we get to see a little slice of their life and maybe in some episodes we get to have a follow-up where we meet the person who actually sent the message uh, and so it's, it's kind of like, in that way, it's very voyeuristic. It's a voyeuristic view into these different New Yorkers' personal lives. You have a lot of like quirky, off the wall, larger than life characters, which is kind of the, the style of the comedy of the show. And then uh, the other facet of Human Telegraphs is the actual characters' personal desires and their yeah, specific character arcs, I guess. So we get to learn a little bit more about Trisha, Lily, and Margot, and uh, they each have their own like emotional character arc, uh, and we get to see more about them throughout the series. Uh, Margot is a aspiring actor who starts out very shy and timid and has to find her voice. Lily is a fiery feminist playwright who has good intentions but hasn't really learned how to execute, you know, her uh, her intentions that well as far as writing for the stage goes. And Trisha is someone who's finding herself and as gifted with a strong business sense and a beautiful vision that she discovers throughout uh, season one. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And it's overall, so, yeah, it's a very quirky series, I'd say. Very, it, that's exactly the word I would use just based on the first episode that I watched. Um, uh, I was like already, at, when I, I didn't have enough time obviously to keep going because um, uh, I had this, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to know what comes next. <laughs> okay. We would it's, forgive you if, if you didn't show up and you were binging the series. Tyler, can you handle this interview? I got That would be such an awkward moment. Sure. Hold on, <laughs> Steph, Steph's texting me. Smiley face. Uh, oh, it's a giggly smile. She enjoys it. She's enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> She's giving us a thumbs up on YouTube. So that's all yeah. <laughs> so, like, 
where did this idea come from? Because it is a very wholesome approach to make, you know, usually web series, at least the ones that I've seen on YouTube are either like really darkly comedic or they're just violent for no reason. So <laughs> what was the general like origin of, of getting this web series up and going? But definitely, I've noticed there is a trend, I think, more for edgier, cynical comedies. You know, they've been in vogue for, I guess, the last five, five years, I'd say, or so. So, uh, you're, I, I, of course, like the new Seattle web series also going in, in that fashion. Um, I think the idea of doing something cynical is just so far off from Ferns and Kayla's and my sensibilities, both as artists and people. We're both pretty, I mean, like, we even named our production company Three Bright Light Productions because we're all, <laughs> all three of us are pretty optimistic and bubbly. And I think it would feel just foreign and uncomfortable for us if we ended up doing like a dark, edgy, you know, sarcastic, you know, downtrodden comedy or whatnot. And I don't think we thought about it. I always, I didn't think about it at the time that, oh, this is different than, you know, most of the shows that we're now seeing on TV, you know, when we were making it, because we made it back in 2017, you know, right after, I guess Girls had ended maybe a few years before that, which I think set the tone, you know, for several years after that of like what comedies are in vogue right now. Um, so I, I don't think, I at least didn't think about that stylistically we're doing something different. But we do notice that now that we're releasing it, but, and we also notice that, oh, we're, actually, we're also coming on the tail of, uh, on, the, on the tail end of some other shows that are doing really well that are, that do share comedic sensibility, like Schitt's Creek, hmm. a little different, but also very big characters, a little bit different than ours, but overall, you know, like a more higher- uh, Ted Lasso. More, yeah, Ted Lasso, which is, of course is still on the air and has been getting so many awards, whether critically or just, you know, a lot of acclaim through just audience uh, viewership as well. So it's nice to see that, oh, there is like a, you know, a genre that we are fitting into uh, recently um, that's come out, but those shows definitely weren't out when we were uh, filming, or at least we weren't, I know that Ted Lasso wasn't out, I don't know if Schitt's Creek was out, maybe it was out a season or two, but it it wasn't on Netflix, I don't think we were aware of it. Um, So I think it's just as a reflection of our personalities and our sensibilities, to be quite honest, don't you guys, what did you guys say? (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're kind of weirdos, like bright weirdos. <laughs> yeah, I think that Rach was inspired definitely by our friendship and that it we always kind of describe the characters in the world of human telegraphs as larger than life, sort of a cartoonish version of New York. So while we were making it, we were very, even in the pilot episode, I remember we were always very inspired by the comedic sensibilities and the characters in 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt mm. and I was actually just listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast today and he his most recent one that just came out today with Ellie Kemper who played Kimmy Schmidt they were talking about this exact thing which is that um, she has this wonderful uh, sensibility as an actor to bring this like wholesome optimistic but like such from such a truthful place of uh, comedy and that that's something that I think is so desired right now especially the way the world is of just like this need for uplifting optimism and comedy um so and I think that also I love when Rach talks about like the characters that she was inspired by as a child growing up and things so I think that she really brought her um upbringing and the characters that she was inspired by growing up to human telegraphs and that it has this almost like magical Disney-like quality in a way yeah, that's true. I loved Anne of Green Gables too, or Sound of Music, Mary Poppins. <laughs> They're all really wholesome, you know, kind of movies or shows, or I guess Anne of Green Gables is also a book. But 
Yeah. So how did you guys come together? I mean, obviously you, you said you shot it in 2017 and I assume all of you were probably living in New York city, right? Or was it yeah. just uh, like yeah, we a Craigslist? We need somebody to act. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all actually met in 2014. Rachel was the, the, like, oh, like really 2014? Yeah, because I remember Rachel and I met at this <laughs> workshop event thing called Fearless in 2015. So like that date oh is seared into my memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Rachel met Kayla at a hot yoga class, like within a week of that workshop. Um, and then so Rachel and Kayla first got together and started talking about it. Maybe you, you both can talk about that part. <laughs> Oh yeah, Rach, you brought up this story recently about the Doritos commercial, which I totally forgot about. Like, I just remembered whenever you would hang out, we were always just like, you know how like when you hang out with other creatives, sometimes you always just end up talking about like brainstorming ideas about projects that you want to work on and things. So I remember that I was personally in a place where I had friends who were actors who were starting to create their own work and that that was becoming more mainstream of just like picking up your iPhone and, you know, creating something to put on YouTube and creating your own opportunities. And so I was really looking for a way to do that. And Rachel was also in that position and she was writing and she was actually working on this. She was producing a Doritos commercial that she was <laughs> casting. And I remember I saw that and then like, I ended up going to set to help her. Um, I lived on the Upper West Side and they were shooting in Central Park and they needed a bicycle as one of the props. <laughs> so I came over with my bike and then we just started talking about like, it would be so fun to work on a project together. And then we started talking about web series content because Broad City had just was really popular at the time and high maintenance. And the, those were series that were on YouTube and Vimeo that then got picked up by networks. So I just remember as an actor, just like seeing that new path being paved and like being inspired by wanting to do that sort of thing of just like taking, taking, you know, trying to create more opportunities for myself, I guess, and create things with my friends. Yeah, and then we uh, asked Fern if she wanted to join. Um, and I think, you know, Kayla and Fern had met a few times that we at this like fearless group meetup is what we called it that we had uh, that we formed after our, our fearless in 2015 little event. So we were yeah. meeting monthly and then I think Kayla came to a few of those. So she had met Fern, like, let's do something together because, you know, we, Fern is a great actor too. And I just thought oh, it might be fun, you know, just the three of us and then how it was born and um so how long has this whole process taken you from you know inception to now it is on youtube and you're doing watch parties and things like that so long oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> Such a journey. Yeah. i think Such we a filmed journey. did we film the pilot in 2017 i think 2016 May of 2016, because <laughs> our first meeting was in like March or something, like February, March of 2016 in Whole Foods on Houston. <laughs> well, yeah. we, okay, we had our pilot premiere party in May 2017. I know that. Yeah, because we're crowdfunding for, oh, yeah, no, we're crowdfunding for our 2017 production. So we filmed right. in 2016, though, I think. I know that we filmed the pilot. Yeah, that makes day. sense because we, if we had the premiere party in the spring of 2017, then we would have 
filmed, yeah, we filmed that previous summer in 2016. That makes sense. <laughs> Welcome to our memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, filmed, we filmed the pilot on a shoestring budget with like no, no crowdfunding whatsoever as a proof of concept, essentially, which is why it's hidden on our YouTube channel because it. it's much different production value compared to episodes two through eight. So we created the pilot with the initial idea of let's show this idea that we have to our audience and then put it up on Seed and Spark and raise funds so that we can create this really high production value series. So we created the pilot, had the, the launch in 2017, um, and then did our crowdfunding. And then we filmed season one in 2018. No, we've been in since then we've been in 2017. We filmed season one in October, November of 2017. Yeah. yeah. I know everybody is holding up a calendar right now to prove yeah, right? which day. <laughs> I don't know because I just I okay, maybe I have these thoughts then. But it's definitely 2017 because every like I've been posting a ton of behind the scenes stuff on my Instagram stories. And every time I have just to type in like November 2017. New York into my like little photos filter so it'll like pull up the right you know year oh, so I was like funny. yes I know exactly when we filmed <laughs> <laughs> so filming happened then and then has it taken this long be just to get it like produced and edited and all that kind of stuff and then I'm assuming the pandemic threw a wrench into things too or yeah yeah well, <laughs> we had to do another crowdfunding campaign for a post-production so that happened in 2018 and then we started post-production and that did take a little while longer. I think it's just because everything was brand new to us as producers. So there's a bit of a learning curve that comes with that. And then of course, I think things did slow down a little bit during the pandemic, not a, for our workflow was already all online anyways, because we were already living in different cities at that point and our freelancers were in different cities. But it was more just like the, you know, the toll that the pandemic had in everybody's personal lives, you know, life just slowed down for everybody a bit and so we actually finished and wrapped up uh, with post-production completely in uh, July or August, July of this last year and um, we just released on YouTube the full season November 15th and we had our world premiere uh, actually in Times Square so everything came full circle we had our world premiere back in New York at the Big Apple Film Festival uh, November 5th awesome. and so it's been really fun. Holy cow. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like we also because we crowdfunded for this year, like we had this high production value. So it's like so some web series, they don't have every single step of like having a colorist, having a sound engineer, like having all the post-production team members. But we we really had like every step of the process. And none of us had been through, I think, like every single step of the process in that way. And with that amount of content that we created. And we were very, all three of us um, are very hands-on with the creative collaboration of it too. And um, even remotely working with our post-production freelancers, we were chatting online about different iterations of um, giving feedback on composing and the coloring, like every step of the way we were, it was very collaborative. So it was really fun, but it took, it definitely took, um, a good amount of time to get everything exactly how we wanted our vision to turn out. Yeah, because like there's day jobs, there's kids. Well, one kid's kid singular. Rachel has, <laughs> has his name. <laughs> he um, has like three kids left. Yeah, very, very energetic. <laughs> so there's like, you know, so many things that we're working around. Um, and it was just like, 
I don't know. I guess I'm just very proud of us for pushing through and finishing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, like it's, it's a huge undertaking. I am curious, um, what it was like, I mean, cause all of you are, you know, the three main characters in this show, but then to have these other roles, like how do you differentiate, you know, in your head when you're, you know, I, I, I'm a theater person, so I want to say rehearsing, but you're probably, you were actually filming. Um, <laughs> like, you know, how do you kind of take those two parts of yourself and, and, you know, concentrate on one and then get to do the other, or do you not really get to do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all three of us have theater backgrounds too, so we totally get it. <laughs> um, uh, for, for me, one of my stories, I mean, about this, just like we were filming in a location where I'd worked as a graphic designer. So um, free location, I mean, parks, right? <laughs> but that also meant that I was the one managing location and need to open up for everybody else. Um, so on the way to that location, like people can't get it unless I'm there. I realized on the lift there at like 5 a.m. that I forgot my entire bag of wardrobe <laughs> because I was so focused on props and like all these other things. And so I'm just like, oh my God, lift driver, you have to pull over right here. Cause I was like, I know there's a city bike station right here. So he like let me out of this really awkward spot. I was like, I think it's early. I'm not gonna endanger my safety, I think I hope. And like, I ran to the bicycle station, like jumped on a bicycle, like pell-mell right back home, ran upstairs, grabbed another lift and like came downstairs, got there in time amazingly. I don't know how, but like, that's how I started the day of like being producer, art director and actor. And I remember one part, like also because I knew everybody in that office, I was so anxious that we'd lose their stuff or mess up their stuff. Cause I'm like, (laughs) I know who sits here. I don't want to mess up their stuff. Like they know who I am. Like I want them to keep hiring me as a freelancer for like, you know, day job stuff. So I was just like, going everywhere like taking continuity pics and like all these things and I remember one specific time where I was just like running around trying to just like making like make make sure things look right and then suddenly like fern cover here we need to do blocking rehearsal I was like oh, okay so like I run over the blocking and <laughs> the actor across from me says his lines and I'm just like um can I see the sides for just one second I promise I'll get back into it but I just need to switch gears really quickly <laughs> I had to do that blocking with the sides in my hand just to like help me like swap back into that mentality. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely hard. And like, honestly, Kayla, I don't know how you did it with both yeah. being director and actor, which is way more like intertwined. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of crazy stories with like the van and things like that. Cause I was like driving our gear van and we had issues along the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think to answer your question in terms of like, how did we manage it? I mean, it was, so challenging it was exhausting but like I think that how I managed it was just the fact that we had such a stellar crew and team and like for example as a director I was very fortunate and grateful that the DP that we had Samantha Pyra she also worked with us on our pilot episode. So her and I kind of already had this shorthand and understanding of like how we work together. So when I was in actor mode, like she kind of helped me with director type things when I had to be like wearing that hat. Um, and also I'm super grateful that we had the three of us as producers because, and that we were friends before working together. Cause we also like communicated on that level of being able to sort of like sense when, 
someone needed an extra hand or like when someone needed to step more into a certain role. And even in post-production, we're very communicative about like, okay, who's stepping into what position right now or who's taking the lead on this project in a way. So I think communication was just huge and just like we we were very particular about who we brought on board with the project. We met with all of our team members and had interviews with all of our team members ahead of time. So we knew that we were like creating the best family as like the strongest family that we could for those 13 days of shooting within like two and a half weeks all over New York City. So like we knew it was going to be insane. We didn't know how insane, but like (laughs) I think that we did the best we could to prepare for the unknown (laughs) that that was. So yeah. I am just so astounded just based off of I quick like tangent I produced directed wrote and acted in a web series a year ago before COVID hit and I wanted to die like this is (laughs) and it shows in the project like hey we have to return the lenses in six weeks we have six weeks for the whole season cool um this is gonna suck uh but just navigating, you know, everything as a group, I'm sure it, it helped you guys a lot, but were there any uh, sort of instances where maybe, and this is not to you know get anyone to point fingers, Fern, looking at you, uh, <laughs> but did you have any sort of like disagreements or anything uh, within the collaboration that may have, uh, you know, kind of tilted the production into a different direction or like, how did you guys handle any, if at all, disagreements you may have had on the production? I feel like we're really good at talking things out. So like if there were, were anything, and plus there's three of us. So that kind of helps yeah. with just like the balance of like yeah. two people agree on one thing and one person doesn't. There's like more of like an, okay, well, there's a majority. Not that we really do that very often, but yeah. there's a lot of this like stating of like, there's certain things where I'm just like, I don't have a strong opinion on this. Like you both can um, run with what you feel is best um, and things like that, where there's just, you know, talking it out. Yeah, I don't think we ever disagreed on the production. Or at least I don't remember. <laughs> not in my memory. We got wasted those nights, and so we right, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> There's $2 pictures. Let's go talk this out. I think that there were things that came up where it's like, because it was our first time doing things, we may have not predicted um, how to prepare for certain challenges that came up. So um there were times where in the moment it, it could be a little tricky to navigate, but I think that we just knew that we had a very limited time to figure things out. And we all knew that it was like, we all have the same goal, which is to complete the project and to tell the story the best we could. So there were definitely disagreements, but I think that in the end, it was like, we just knew that we wanted to we all had the same goal and we didn't let that get in the way. Mm-hmm. So, and like, even I think like, like I said, we, we created the pilot episode before doing the rest of the season. So I think that that was helpful to have that experience of, you know, as, as friends too, like we, we've definitely had disagreements, like as um, you know, we, working with friends can be challenging like we created an LLC so I mean we've definitely had times where we've had sit downs and been like you know we have to you know we have to be clear about our communication so that we're all on the same page and that we're supporting each other um, and that we all feel 
good and supported as, you know, friends and collaborators. So like, we definitely had those heart to heart as well. So I think, um, yeah, what Fern said is like, we've made communication a priority because we all started this from a place of like, you know, passion. And like, we, we, I think we always have that in mind where it's like, that's, we, we keep our, our why in mind of like why we're in this together. So I think that that has been a strength of ours is keeping our, um, our mission at the forefront of what we're doing. I love that. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, not keep, easy. Keep, it's no, like, no. you know, it's like, but that's life, that's relationships. So it's like, we all, we all talk about how this project has like brought us closer together and like how it's helped us grow as humans. It's like, it's been a huge been a huge undertaking and a huge uh, growth opportunity for all of us. So you guys just said that you you had it premiered at this festival in New York. Is is was the the goal to tell this story, create this thing, and then move on to something new? Are you hoping to you know do another season? Are you hoping to maybe expand it into half hour episodes? Like what or you know what's the <laughs> What's the next steps? I think our goal is definitely to transition to 30 minute episodes and hopefully partner with a streaming platform uh, that can help us produce the show, but keeping you know the world, the characters, the concepts there, but just more room for character development and also just overall story development because the episodes will be 30 minutes as opposed to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we just started the festival circuit um and we actually had another festival screening right after our premiere in Times Square with another New York-based film festival although that screening actually went online due to COVID but it was a NYC web fest and we actually we won best comedy there out oh, of the awesome. 57, oh, yeah cool. out of the 57 series that that screened there from all over the world so that was really thrilling for us and also <laughs> yeah. the cast and crew was, I think was a big you know booster because sometimes you just get lost in the minutiae and details especially after working on a project for so long uh so that that was something that's just like oh it just kind of you know jazzed us up again um and yeah we're, we're also part of the British Web Awards and they're having their ceremony this upcoming Saturday also online we have nine nominations there so we're excited. So we're just starting the festival circuit, hopefully with the goal of maybe meeting producing partners or different networks, um, you know, through doing the festival circuit that may be a good partner for us. Um, so fingers crossed. And then of course, we're, we, we launched on YouTube on November 15th and we're doing live uh, Human Telegraph's watch party shows every Monday. So actually there's one tonight at Ooh. 8 p.m. East Coast Time, 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then Colorado is Mountain Standard Time. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Impressive. Oh, and I don't know what the Mountain Standard Time would be, though. Is it 8.30? Is it 6.30? You were so close. <laughs> <laughs> so close. 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And so we, we screen a new episode live with an audience on YouTube uh every week and then we also do like a lot of other fun things like tonight we have a special guest one of the actors that was on this episode is going to join us then we have a little behind the scenes video which shows audiences how we actually filmed episode well four which is what we're doing tonight we're doing some giveaways and some other fun 
stuff. We're going to eventually end up doing um, live message deliveries in real life, human telegraph style. So people can submit their message requests to us and we will perform them live. They can say what in they character. So in character. So they can say what they want to, oh really Margo to perform. And, and yeah. So, yeah, so, so we're, really trying to, we're really trying to celebrate uh, the release because as we said, it's been such a long time coming and it's been such a, community effort especially with the fact that we did crowdfunding and we couldn't have done it with all of our supporters and so we don't we didn't want to just be like okay it's released on youtube like we sure. like, we want to give people we want to get the best of both worlds where it's like you can binge it if you like but also we're gonna you know sit down with you each week and reminisce about things that happen on set and so it's been so fun because people go on YouTube, our families and our friends like typing in the chat, like, oh, how did you, where'd you get the tumbleweed from in episode two? And so like, we'll tell the story of like how we overnight shipped a tumbleweed to New York. And yeah. So. <laughs> story. There is of course a site where you can buy tumbleweeds online. Of I course, Kaylin, that's I was like, amazing. One website, I, it was really hard to find. Country, creative country creations or something like that. They, they sell tumbleweeds. Too bad you guys didn't know us then we could have gone you know 30 minutes north of denver and gotten you some time oh, yeah. yes. you could open up a shop there's a market for it let me tell you. yep i think the internet has one that yeah. that, that exists yep. oh my yeah. goodness holy cow so, so oh, go sorry, ahead, Tyler. no no, you no go, you're good, you're good. you've got the nope. cooler headphones <laughs> she's holding her mouth it's not fair uh <laughs> so you know, you want to expand it into half hour long episodes. Do you have an outline for the second season? Do you know maybe how many seasons you want to go for? Or is there like a general gist of, you know, where these characters may end up, but who knows how long that'll take? What's your, what's your approach to that? Good question. Um, we have an outline for the 30 minute pilot, uh, or I'm currently writing it. So I'm reworking the outline. Um, and I do have a vague idea of where we would end in season one and I could definitely see us going on for like six or so six or seven seasons and I and I do have an idea of, I'd have to go over it of course with everything with Kayla and Fern because we're very consensus based and I haven't really shared it with them yet but I do have an idea <laughs> of where the series would end like where the girls Trisha, Lily, and Margo where they would all end up in their individual journeys. How you know, exciting. I totally want to hear this. Uh, <laughs> we're so busy with this launch, with our series sure? launch uh, that it's taken up all of our time. But yeah, I do have, I, I do have like a, you know, like a gut instinct or a feeling of where things would end. As far as like specific events that would happen in season one, I don't have all of them plotted out yet, but I have like an overall arc in my head. Uh, and it didn't do things like whenever like something will happen in one of our lives or like an interaction that we all have we'll be like oh my god that needs to go into human telegraph season four there's so many funny things that happen and I'm like oh my god human telegraph season four or whatever it is <laughs> or we've even been doing interviews recently where it's like people are like oh we should add this scenario like we'll just come up with a funny idea people are throwing suggestions at us all the time <laughs> Yeah, and some of them are pretty good. I'm like, I'm gonna write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> so mind if I do. <laughs> oh man. I do think like what I think is so interesting and what makes it quirky is like 
you know, obviously telegram people were a big way that messages were communicated, you know, years ago before phones and, and, um, you just whatever. And, and I keep, I'm currently picturing the telegraph girl in, um, the movie clue. clue, Cause I watched that, um, uh, recently and like, you know, it's just, it's just funny, but like to make that a viable career job, whatever money maker, you know, in this world of New York that you've created in a world where we all have text messages and whatever, like, I don't even know what the question is. I think the question mm-hmm. is, is like, do you think people would utilize your human telegraphs if it was like an actually accessible, like you weren't, this wasn't a, a TV show. This was like your new business, you know, career whatever I could see it <laughs> yeah I could see it being trendy for a while like Krispy Kremes were trendy for a while way back yeah. then but I don't know if I'd see it being commercially viable long term right Wait, yeah, oh, I, I agree I could see it still. being like a novelty thing where it's like for someone's birthday having someone dress up as you know right Cause it does, it does it like what I, I mean, just from based on the first episode, just like, um, Kayla, your character, Mar- you're Margo. Margo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going to the, the comedy club and, and, you know, and delivering this me- and it was like one of those things where it's like, I feel like introverts would use it a lot because they don't want to have to interact <laughs> with other people. So it's like sending someone else to do your dirty work for you, which I just, you know, I could, I, it just kind of makes me, me wonder. Um, it's kind of nice. Cause it's like, you know, we're told not to break up with people through text message, right? That's just wrong. Right. And you can right. be like, well, I did it. I sent, I did it in person through somebody else, right? <laughs> I feel That's like true. that would be so much worse. I know that like strange witness your reaction to a breakup. Yeah. I mean, that's genius. I if you could send Michael <laughs> Shannon to a potential ex's house to break up with them, <laughs> worth every penny. <laughs> we have a, like charges a premium or like a surcharge for breakups and bad news because you're like yeah. it comes with physical danger that the person will throw right? something at you. <laughs> you got to rank yeah. it based off of like lift cars. You have like midsize option or just yeah. like a drive by. <laughs> We're done, and then you have you know the premium. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> That's yeah, perfect. see, there's an episode, there's an idea for season two, charging premiums. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and drive by Down, right down. <laughs> Riding it. <laughs> so you said all, all three of you have been, uh, or have come from theater, right? Mm-hmm. Has there been any talk of maybe doing a live show in, in a theater? Just doing <laughs> an episode? I never thought of That'd be fun. What my background is actually playwriting. I have an MFA in playwriting, so I could definitely write a play. That would actually be really fun. I could totally see it being like slapsticky, like um, oh, what's that one Broadway musical? The play that uh, goes wrong. What what, what what did you think? The play, the play that goes wrong. Oh no, you said slapstick, and I was like, that yeah, is the ultimate yeah, slapstick. That <laughs> is that the title or something like that? Like the play where everything goes wrong, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, the play that, that goes wrong, I think is. Yeah, oh, is yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, Fern's actually yeah, really good with titles and stuff. <laughs> like you know, very over the Ooh, top. Maybe it'd be also slightly interactive with like 
what's on Broadway right now with um the freestyle love supreme where it's like audience interaction and yeah. so maybe you, you'd like pull somebody up on stage to like deliver a message oh I could see so many marriage proposals happening where the audience gets to vote on what happens next yeah. or like what <laughs> oh my god this is so exciting there's so many facets to this it's gonna be so entertaining <laughs> next top Broadway first conceived idea first conceived here you heard it here perfect <laughs> all right we'll we'll take 30 <laughs> percent that's fair no our lawyer will talk okay oh yeah we'll do season passes for sure I, i'm not part of the theater world so this is coming from just a naturally weird guy i'm like oh, put it on stage see I what happens it. <laughs> it just it seems like it would fit such a um you know it is a, a very upbeat uh, show and the whole idea of it would be just be so interesting to see live. I mean, you're doing live streams now. It's only a matter of time before, you know, maybe once COVID dies down a little bit, you guys could, you know, do something. I don't know. It just, it, it came to me the second we hopped on, like, this would be a great wow. freaking like tour. Um, <laughs> so that is, that is the extent of my theater um, help and knowledge. <laughs> it was incredibly it. helpful. Yeah. Um, but that does, bring up the question of like, how did each of you kind of get started on this path? You know, a big part of the podcast is kind of talking about where people initiated their interest into the arts world and, and, you know, what brought them into theater or film or whatever. Um, Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. I mean, it's, I just grew up always, uh, loving to perform even as a child I was always like a big hand like always wanting to be in front of the camera and just like make people laugh and um so yeah I grew up doing theater I grew up doing musical theater ever since middle school is when I got the bug <laughs> um and then when I moved to New York City I knew that I wanted to continue acting and I was auditioning for anything possible um, I would get the backstage magazine and like highlight every single audition that was remotely right for me and just, you know, just going to everything. Um, and then my, my interest kind of switched a little bit. I went and I studied at William Esper studio and I did like an acting conservatory and just learned a little bit more about the industry and became more interested in film and started doing student films. Um, and then, like I said, kind of, and this is just like in a nutshell, kind of my path, but um, just then saw how people were able to create their own work because of the internet. And I think that I was just really intrigued by that opportunity um, and saw that as more accessible and like more, uh, yeah, just more, like not that, yeah, I mean, you can, you can put on like off off Broadway shows and things in New York and you can get actors together to do theater also. But I was, um, I found it very interesting, the concept of being able to create film. And um, yeah, so after I got out of that conservatory program and I learned a little bit more about the industry and meeting casting directors and things like that, I also wanted to, in the meantime, also be creating my own opportunities because I was, I was going on a lot of auditions and doing student films, but at, at a certain point, you kind of feel like you can start to feel stagnant. I was just feeling a little, yeah, you get kind of like when you're first starting out, at least for me, I, when I was first starting out and I was 
learning more about the industry and how it works, it, it takes a while to build connections. That's all what it's really about is, is networking and meeting the different, especially in film, you it's meeting all the, the different casting directors and things um, until, you know, they're calling you in and then you can get representation and things. So in the meantime, I wanted to do what I could, what was in my control um, for myself. So I, that's what was really exciting to me about creating my own work. So I started doing that alongside of also doing like the, you know, like the business side of things and putting myself out there so that it didn't just feel like the business side of things, because that can feel very, uh, you can get lost in that and forget like, why, why am I doing this? So I think that finding a project like this was really cool to like, also do alongside of, um, you know, marketing myself as an actor in like the TV and film industry, and but also finding like a creative outlet as well. So that's kind of like the short story of how I got to where I am now. <laughs> I can go next. Um, I also grew up like just doing theater. I was homeschooled up until seventh grade and I used to do community theater. So it's like a social activity. And I, I also just loved being on stage even though I was rather shy. And so I ended up majoring in theater and undergrad in Philadelphia. And I was an okay actor, but I always had a, a little bit of a challenge specifically doing theater because I wasn't all, I always got the note, oh, you're not really in your body. And I was always cast as characters a bit more eccentric, like, uh, you know, hovering over the edge. I, I remember I was cast as a like, crazy eccentric scientist in Steve Martin's play, Picasso de la Pina Gio. And I loved the play, it was really fun and comedic, but I always was kind of in those roles um, and then I took my first playwriting course and everything just kind of came alive after that. Uh, I just realized, oh, I really love this. And I got so much positive feedback. So I ended up writing a thesis play for my undergrad as opposed to like doing a performance thesis. Uh, and I also really loved, uh, discovered poetry at the time. I did a lot of poetry courses in undergrad. And that was also, and, and I, a lot of my plays were very poetic, you know, because as opposed to film and playwriting, you can really get away with these long monologues or you can, you can do more experimental things. And I, I tended to do that in my work. And then I ended up doing the MFA in playwriting at uh, Catholic University of America, not Catholic, but they had a really great program where they accepted two people every year and it was a full ride and they would do a full mounted production of your thesis play, which was a pretty rare for playwriting programs back when I uh, was researching them. So I ended up going there. I'm so happy that I did because it's in Washington, DC. And that was such a, a rich backdrop for me to find my voice as a writer. Because along with its, you know, a uh, big political scene, and obviously there's a huge activism scene there. There's this wonderful spoken poetry uh, scene there, spoken word poetry, and also this wonderful, just like visual art scene. And then theater there is really big as well. It's a huge regional theater uh, hub in the States. And so that was a really cool experience. And my writing became very politically focused, not necessarily like the whole narrative was or plot was driven by a political theme, but there's always this like theme of feminism and politics throughout that you can still even see in Human Telegraphs because Lily is this feminist playwright. Um, so that's kind of where I really discovered what I cared about as a writer and those topics into my narratives. And I also did a lot of spoken word poetry. So my, my performing kind of transitioned from acting because I stopped acting at that point and just strictly focused on writing to performing spoken word poetry. 
in, in DC. And then um, I took a course uh, on TV writing. And back then, this is when spec scripts were still in fashion. And for listeners who don't know, spec scripts are scripts that you write for TV shows that are currently on the air. And you show that you can write in the voice of that show so that you'd be a good addition to the writer's room there. Now everybody just wants original pilot scripts, your original idea, which I think is great because I enjoy writing those so much more. <laughs> but I wrote um, a Modern Family spec script and it was such a fun experience. And I ended up... Uh, showing it to some roommates that you know I was living with at the time and they're like oh my god this is so cool we should make our own show one of them was a big film buff and so I eventually started toying around with a web series idea in DC that never actually got produced or came to life but I wrote a few scripts for it and that kind of was like the beginning of an aha moment for me like oh uh series in particular seemed to really fit with my writing style and that I never really liked having just a two or three act structure where the story starts and then it ends. I love the idea of continuing uh, as a narrative so you really can build the characters, you can build the world and really develop, you know, a full narrative over several episodes or, you know, several hours of TV or, you know, theater as opposed to just one hour. And then when I moved to New York, I was still actually going to pursue playwriting or that was the plan. Um, but I fell into filmmaking through uh, a co-working space that I joined called Wix, uh, Wix Lab at the time. I met a few filmmakers there and uh, I started writing scripts for one of them who was a producer and, and an actor. And she, I still actually write with her sometimes. She has a series called Adulting with Jane. Um, her name is Jenny Paul. And then I fell in line with another filmmaker um, and we ended up doing that Doritos commercial together that Kayla was talking about. It was actually, it wasn't like Doritos hired us by the way. It was, it was back when Doritos uh, had that competition for doing Super Bowl commercials. Uh, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, right. just to clarify. And <laughs> obviously we, and so whoever the winner was, I think you get like a million dollars and then obviously your, your commercial airs for the Super Bowl. And I think that we entered the last year that, that they were having that. I think they did it for 10 years or something. Though. It was a longstanding uh, uh, competition. Um, but anyways, we obviously didn't win, but it was a really fun experience. And then, I, and it just felt very intuitive for me to continue doing stuff, you know, in film as opposed to theater. I just didn't really feel a calling, you know, towards that at all. And at that point, Kayla and I were talking about doing a project and it just felt like perfect timing and everything was aligning. And uh, yeah, so that's how, that's my story, I guess. Bernie? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, I, oh yeah, I forgot one critical moment. Sorry, sorry. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> sorry, I just thought about this. <laughs> so I, I actually did have a very specific defining moment when I decided that I wanted to produce my own work. And it was actually back when I was still doing theater. I think I was in my second or third year of playwriting. And I had two shows go up at once. One was at the Kennedy Center for John F. Kennedy's or JFK's um, 50th anniversary celebration. And one was in New York. They're two different plays, but it felt like a very like pivotal moment for me. Like, oh, my work is getting on these like professional stages. Uh, it felt like, okay, I'm gonna enter into the theater world now, even as a, even as a student. And I went up to New York to see the New York play and they didn't tell me this, but the director changed stage directions. So as, as all of you know, except for maybe Tyler, cause you don't have a theater background <laughs> in, uh, in theater, like your, the script is king. Like maybe like in filmmaking and I know in TV writing and like in comedy people might improvise, but you don't change the script like in theater or at least you cannot change the dialogue. Like you have to honor the playwright. 
the playwright's words. So of course he did not change the dialogue, but he changed the stage direction, which took my, it, it was like a dark comedy with a very ambiguous ending. It took my dark comedy within, with an ambiguous ending from dark comedy to horror because he had one of my characters kill another character. <gasps> and nobody told me. So I found out as the play was, you know, unfolding as an audience member. <laughs> and I was just shocked. I was like, how dare he, this director. And you may see inspiration for, uh, or you, you may see, uh, that this is the root of uh, a storyline that that HT has and uh, in Human Telegraphs, HT Human Telegraphs has an episode, I think five or six, six. Um, Lily has a, a, another, a more comedic experience. But anyways, this, you know, this guy thought that it'd be really cool, you know, add some edge to have a character kill another character, which makes it, a, the, it took away the whole ambiguity of the play because you're not supposed to really know what happened to the character if she, if she was, you know, uh, if, 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 the, if one of the characters had malicious intentions or not. Um, right. So at that point, I was like, this blows. You know, being a writer, you don't really have any power. Like, they can just do whatever. And I knew at that point that in films, that's very true, especially with the feature films, you know, a lot of times they'll hire writers to rewrite your script, they'll option your script, and they'll put your name on it, but it, it may be a completely different script that actually gets filmed, even if your name is on it, because they usually have like, you know, 10 or 10 or 20 writers do rewrites before it's produced, you know, a film studio. So I was just like, I want to produce my own work. This isn't like the experience I want to have, or even in theater, like where they, where they have to honor the dialogue and the dialogue stays the same. They can even, you know, change these crazy things. Like I want to, I want to just produce my own stuff. And I think that's when I started looking into um, doing the web series in Washington, DC. And I also tried to do some other entrepreneurial uh, uh, theater stuff in DC. Uh, at the time too, but I think that's really where that little aha moment came on for me of, oh, I want to be a producer. I'm not just like happy sitting back and being the writer because you have no, you have no control over the execution. Right, uh, okay. right. Okay, okay huh. so go ahead. <laughs> that's so fun because like you're telling that story. And I was like, wait a second. That's where this, like, that storyline came from. Yeah, and yeah, he was kind funny. of like a, there's a character who's kind of inspired by the director, and his name's Ethan, and I will say that this guy also kind of talked down to me, and was kind of an Ethan character, you know, like, the silly playwright, let me just tell her what's up with the play, and, you know, I made it a lot better for you, you're welcome, kind <laughs> of vibe. Anyways. <laughs> wow, I love origin stories. I love that during interviews, we find things out that we didn't know ourselves about, like, our own show, <laughs> you know, the inspiration yeah. for it. <laughs> or so we, like, fun. remind someone of something that the other person doesn't remember at all. <laughs> yeah, like, like, we were talking about how Rachel first saw you in a play, and you were like, right. you did? You saw me in a play in the East I have never like, like, yeah, this. even I knew that. <laughs> You're really good, and that's how I met Kaylee. Uh, who acted with you in the play, who I'm still in contact with. And oh. I met Mike Long, the playwright, and I'm still in contact with him too. Oh, that was actually the very first show I ever auditioned for in New York. And my first booking and the director of that play, Cattle Call, showed up to our Big Apple Film Fest world premiere. That so that's that was her. Cool. That's awesome. Oh my God. Like, small world. Cool. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and Fern was really good in the play. I was like, I need to work with her. She's good. <laughs> that was my very first like New York thing. And when like when it opened, I was like, I'm so glad this is just a black box theater, not something bigger, because I'd be shitting my pants right now. <laughs> but it's always nice to like start start on like a smaller scale, you know, before mm -hmm. working up to you know 
Broadway, I don't know, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, my origin story is slightly different just because I didn't know that people who look like me could be performers until like high school or college. And then I saw, I think it was Chinese New Year and we went to someone's friend's house and they had like um, this like Chinese New Year special on Spring Festival um, from China. And I was like, oh, wait, they look like me. Oh, wait, they can be perform. What? Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually make the connection that like I could pursue that personally until a lot later. And like, I'd always had a bit of like inkling towards some sort of performance, but I was a really shy kid. So um, I think it was the sixth grade that we had a performance competition in school. And my parents were like, I'm sorry, you want to audition, audition for a thing that performs? I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay. And so that was like where I first sort of had the little like inkling that this was something, but it never occurred to me that it was something I could really pursue as a profession until after college. Um, and like I took, you know, one acting class in seventh grade and then one acting class in college in my final senior year semester, um, just snuck it in because I was a double major and other things. So like it didn't, it couldn't even fit in the theater stuff. Um, but it was after graduating from college with two completely unrelated degrees that I was like, um, I was in a Starbucks, I've got a very clear recollection of this, doing a volunteer graphic design project for some friend's friend. It was just like, hey, do you wanna do this? Sure, why not? Like, I don't, I can't find a job right now anyway. This is, you know, 09, there were no jobs to be found. Um, and this person in Starbucks was like, oh, are you an artist? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> and like in the conversation, I find out he's an acting teacher and he was having free acting classes that night. And so I was like, cool, can I come? I just like invited myself to this free acting class. And that's when I first like kind of had the inkling that this is something that someone who looks like me could pursue a professional path as a performer because half the class was Filipino or like Filipina or like, you know, Asian heritage of some sort. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, wow. It was just like completely like a mind blowing moment for me. Um, so I think that's where that started where it was like not only this interest but also a thing that I could go after. But, you know, I'd already graduated college, so yay, all that money gone. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I ended up moving to China after that just because I couldn't find a job. And I was like, I might as well learn Chinese, live somewhere where it's like cheaper. Um, And that's when I learned how to audition because there was um, a really strong expat theater scene in Shanghai. And Mm. like... I was a terrible auditioner because I didn't have any experience auditioning. So like my first few was just, I look back and then I'm like, oh, cringe, cringe. I'm glad they weren't recorded. At least I hope they're not, God. Um, (laughs) But like the theater community there is super small and tight. So it's just like people from all over the world who just can't not be with theater in their life or without theater in their life um, got together and just did theater in English with all sorts of access from all over the globe. And they became a really strong community for me where after a year of like failing to get into things because I sucked so badly at auditioning, I suddenly started like being in things consistently then started helping produce and stuff. Um, and then eventually it was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm tired of trying to hold down a full-time job to have my visa to stay in China and doing theater on the side <laughs> and like being exhausted all the time because it's just like so much work to be, you know, working full time then go to rehearsals and then going to shows and doing shows. I was like, okay, it's time to go back to the US where I can just be a freelancer and also pursue theater and acting. So that's when I moved to New York. And then I met Rachel and Kayla not long after, like a few months into that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting time, honestly, to be an actor, um, an Asian American actor and also a woman 
because just like I have very very low tolerance for BS and I just like even when I was auditioning in 2015-16 there were like casting calls that I was just like I'm sorry you want what a quirky accent for the specifically Asian character why <laughs> and there's like a lot of things where I was just like no I don't want to and it was a constant question for me like where's the line where do I draw the line like I need I need experience but I also like don't want to do things that's going to make people who look like me who are watching feel uncomfortable and be like oh gross so mm-hmm. I think it, it was nice that we ended up working on human telegraphs this whole time because in this period of time that we worked like me too has happened there's like so much more awareness of like conscious casting and I'm now that we're you know wrapping up this push for human telegraphs to be out like I've got more I will have more bandwidth to pursue my own acting career in in an environment that I hope I can tolerate more (laughs) that is a bit more like aware of how to cast and like what's okay and what's not and um I think now is a time where I can actually be okay with what's out there I think I hope It's looking pretty good so far from what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, just, just on the, 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 the ethnic portion of it. Yeah. They're far more uh, respectful than, you know, can you do an Indian accent? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not flattering. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, is there a story point to this or are you just trying to like make fun of people like this? You know, I'm excited that there's been shifts. That's so cool. You guys have such rich backgrounds for, you know, especially what you're doing. You know, I think usually if you talk to somebody who makes a web series, it's like, yeah, we got drunk at a bar and we thought, <laughs> why not? You know, like I, just, I dropped out of college. Like it's, it's, it's fine. But I think that brings so much uh, weight in a great way to what you're doing into this project. And I can definitely see it going for, you know, five or six more seasons just based off of not only your performances, but your interactions with one another, you know, your, your top tier, you know, uh, rules of communication <laughs> and, you know, looking at each other as respected artists and individuals. It's just, I don't know. I'm very like just taken aback because I, I don't think I've met a single person locally who's managed to do what all three of you have done. You know, even if this was, shot in 2016 17 the sun was up and we were up uh, the sun was not up it was definitely dark outside <laughs> <laughs> but i i do want to like give you guys praise for for what you've done and i i want to see more of this like you know you get the live streams every single monday um possibly some stage work coming up soon uh but <laughs> Are you looking at maybe doing, is there room for Human Telegraph merch? Do you sell stickers? Like, we're obviously going to promote this, but how else can we help promote this this show on our on our podcast? Funny you ask about merch because uh, we are doing a giveaway. I think we're going to do a social media post about it soon because my, uh, it's, my sister has an Etsy shop. She's such a gifted artist and she's made these awesome Human Telegraphs, like big glass cups like with the oh, with lids cool. and stainless steel straws you could have like iced coffee or water or juice or even beer I think they're actually called beer cups they're like you know the big glass ones and they say human telegraphs and like a, a human telegraphs logo and we actually want to do like some like human telegraphs like catchphrases too we're going to brainstorm some but we're doing those live giveaways uh, we're, get, we're doing those giveaways on the HT live watch stream parties live stream watch parties i'm really butchering the show watch party show that are on mondays at 8 30 
p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're, we're doing those shows all the way through the end of December because we're getting through all eight episodes. Um, so, and yeah, all you guys have to do is like, go to youtube.com slash human telegraphs and you'll see like a link for each week's watch stream or watch watch party live stream live stream watch <laughs> party show live right. stream link. <laughs> yeah i think the, the biggest thing right now is just to uh let people know that we're on youtube and that they can watch our whole series and to share it with friends because um we've built an awesome community and a lot of our friends and family know about the show but we're trying to really extend our network so as many shares, you know, we're on all the social media platforms at Human Telegraphs. And, uh, and yeah, engage, we engage, something engage. we talked about with doing like a Society6 website or something like that, where we can like actually have Human Telegraphs merch so that when ho- hopefully we do get a bigger audience and people will want to get, you know, merch, Human Telegraphs merch, because we wow. do have some, some catchy, yeah, we do have some catchy, funny phrases that the three of us have inside jokes that we quote about from the series that we want to be able to share with other people hopefully we'll catch on so that'd be fun that's so cool okay i'm excited about the the possibility of a beer glass so i'm gonna tune in i'm gonna tune what into are you that i'm allergic to alcohol so i'll use it for zoa dwayne johnson's new energy drink we're gonna have to beep out the name of the, the uh, oh, product because um, we're not. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne. A highly um, secretive thing that you can look up if you just look up. Right. Know. Not giving out free yeah. merch, free marketing. Um, <laughs> Guaranteed to not give you cancer. What? Uh, whoever thinks of the answer to this question first gets to answer it. <laughs> what is in all of your years of working in theater and film, what is what we like to call the party story that you, you have where it's something that everybody who works in this industry would totally go, of course that happened. Whereas anybody who works outside of the industry would probably be like, I'm sorry, what happened? Um, or like it's just like those crazy things that we deal with uh just because that's the, the nature of the beast but it's kind of fun to share with people because it makes you seem unique and exotic <laughs> i mean i have a story but i don't know if like it is one of those like inside industry things i just think it's a funny story all right let's hear it <laughs> Okay, so there's a scene where my character Trisha is on a date with this really hot guy. And so I'm all dolled up and dressed up and like my date comes in, um, Jordan is the actor's name. He comes in and he's, um, we're running lines, but wardrobe comes in and it's like, hey, your shirt's wrinkled. We need to take it to iron it. But we still need to like run our lines. So they just take a shirt and he's just staying there shirtless. And he, he now like does a lot of fitness stuff. So he's very buff and very beautiful so I'm just sitting there just like Fern his eyes keep looking at his eyes focus on lines on lines on lines don't look down don't look down eyes up at his eyes <laughs> got pictures of like of him just sort of like leaning as a bar completely shirtless looking like he's a magic mic and like me just yep. sitting there with a completely straight face like in character staring at his eyes <laughs> Actually, I was going through old behind the scenes photos and videos and our script supervisor was 
making Instagram stories and putting captions saying, Human Telegraphs, we we, we changed the genre mid-shoot to softcore porn. <laughs> 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 because, because our actors, like, they're leaning against the bar shirtless. <laughs> like, abs, just hanging out. That's yeah. hilarious. Not hanging out. They're really rock hard because I was not looking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> uh, God. Can't, sorry. And Tyler's I, like, how come that never happens to me? Oh, I know why that never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> Take your shirt off. Put, put it back on. Put it. Put it. Put it back on. Um, <laughs> all right. We. Well, I mean, we. I've had that moment on. On you know, some modeling shoots where, you know, like the hot guy models are getting changed and they're just lounging around. Like, dude, will you put a shirt on? Like, I'm eating (laughs) ding-dongs to make you look better. Like, can you just keep it on for a second? Um, Okay, building off of this softcore porn tangent, uh, (laughs) something else we, and all three of you can can add into this as well, uh, is I feel very inspired just talking to you, seeing your project. Uh, I think it's incredible. But do you have any any advice you'd like to deliver to somebody who's either, you know, one in the industry trying to make it during these, you know, very tough times, or maybe even trying to start their, uh, their career in the arts. Do you have anything, um, any point of wisdom you'd like to pass on to them? Uh, I think maybe just the, this is for writers, but maybe for anybody, I, uh, anybody in the arts is just find your people, find people who, understand your vision and have a, a shared vision the same vision um and if you're a writer who understands your writing on an intuitive level and appreciate it and uh and who you feel comfortable creating with like find people who are actually friends uh who also have your drive and and create and just keep on creating i would yeah. say for for just starting out uh to just make stuff just create because you have to start somewhere and even if it's not good like you have to make stuff just to to get anywhere so and that's how you learn so there's no there's no shame in that there's no like there's no bad art it's just coming from you and it's just coming from the muse that's why I just very strongly believe in the creative muse and and learning from that and letting letting that guide you so I think that anyone who wants to create can and and to just go for it and to start somewhere yeah I think for me I feel very strongly that well two things number one that these like careers in the arts are for the long haul and I feel like people can sometimes think that there's a definite marker where they've made it you know and I don't know that that's true there it's kind of arbitrary in my opinion um so to to be like oh if I love creating like this is this is going to be a huge part of my life um number one I'm in it for a long haul number two that means that I need to make sure that my life is something that I love no matter what is happening with my art so for me, it's been really important to make sure that like, even though my career has maybe been a slower build than someone who's been focusing on acting specifically 100%, I, I really do love my life and um, the many facets of it that aren't specifically acting or creating because 
there's like so much other stuff that I create, whether it's like writing that's not at all related to acting or just like drawing, which is not at all related to acting or just like sitting in the park and being like, haha, squirrel, which is maybe related to acting. It's like, you know, <laughs> I tap into that joy about seeing a squirrel. But, you know, we're, we need to be able to make sure that like the love for the art isn't going to burn out. And I think sort of focusing on like, oh, I need to do X, Y, Z, just like that person. And then I'll have made it. And mm-hmm. I feel like the moment you get there, you're just kind of like, uh, oh, there, there are other people who have done X, Y, Z that's higher level. And no, I'm not going to feel satisfied till I reach that. Like, that's just a really great way to be dissatisfied and burnt out. So um, just, you know, make sure whatever you're doing is sustainable for you in the long haul. Very nice. Very, very well said pieces of advice, ladies. Um, okay. We talked about merch. We talked about your show. It's on YouTube. Where can we, where can people follow you on all of the social medias and the things? At Human Telegraphs. We've got all the things. I mean, except Snapchat, but I think other than that, we're on everything. Oh, and we're not on Clubhouse either. Okay. I'll just say YouTube, <laughs> Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Is that it? Twitter. Twitter, humantelegraphs.com. Um, I think that's all the Human Telegraph site. And then I'm at at Fern Lim Yay, F-E-R-N-L-I-M-Y-A-Y. Yay. On all the things. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at VK LaConroy on all the things. <laughs> and I'm at RK Barclay, like K is in kite, RK Barclay on all the things. Um, <laughs> Yay. All right, good. So <laughs> listeners, follow them, join their watch parties. Um, give us a thumbs up on YouTube and share with your friends who like fun stuff share the joy yeah the subscribe button all those good things I kind of wish it was a video podcast because I like just did a subscribe jab that I realized that no one can see so too well (laughs) like having a screen to subscribe (laughs) that'll 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 be that's on the the docket for next year and we can get some backdrops that look relatively professional and not look like a closet uh we will we will have video interviews and we will have you back for the extended episodes for dang sure when when you guys get picked up by a streaming service and you're gonna you're in the middle of filming season three (laughs) just don't ghost us because we'll find you (laughs) you. no sorry HBO Max picked us up. We're too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, by that point, you'll be on like Gimlet or some other like massive, you know, podcast group. Oh God, we could only hope. I, I need to stop. <laughs> We're going to manifest yeah. it because I need to stop serving beer to people. It's not good for either party. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like my job. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Okay. Well, I guess it's our turn to say things. Um as always, listeners, we appreciate you. We like your faces. We uh, think your ears are great for listening to us. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like once an episode, either you or I have to make the other person just question why we're in a partnership at all. <laughs> it never, it never ceases, and it just the surprises just keep coming. So I'm, I'm good for it. Yes, we love your faces uh, and your. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, please 
please use your mouths to uh, share our uh, podcast with others. Use your fingers to share it on all of the the uh, technology that we have. <laughs> um, we are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PWRP Podcast. Um, please continue to rate, review, like, subscribe on all podcast platforms. And uh, if you like, if you have excess of money, because so many of you do, and you want to share some with us, we have a Patreon. Um, and if you want a free sticker, all you have to do is leave us a nice review and send us an email with your address, um, and we will send you a free sticker. Tyler. Yes, uh, since you've covered all the fun body parts. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't mind using your elbows and or weenuses to send us an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com, uh, we would love to, one, hear from you and also bring you onto the show, whether you're somebody who's new to the arts industry or if you've been doing it for decades and just need to vent for an hour, we'd love to have you. So please send us an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so I'm still giggling. Damn it! Um, <laughs> so I think it, I think it was the mouth and I, okay. Fingers. Anyway, yeah, it's like this is oddly erotic for our podcast, and we do not mean for it. To you be. made it erotic. Um, I didn't. We I love didn't your say a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, folks? You hear that, listeners? They love your weenuses. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's if it wasn't awkward already, uh, it is now time for our awkward goodbye. Uh, but first, I want to thank all three of you for reaching out to us and coming onto the show. This has been just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I'm not sure if you've listened to an episode before, but at the end of each episode, uh, I conduct a silent Wayne's World countdown. And then once I point, we are going to give a verbal awkward goodbye. Uh, can be nonverbal, which is just great for us, but horrible for listeners. So probably something verbal uh, more than anything else. So are you ready for an incredibly awkward conclusion? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. In. Doodle doo. Ah! Wait, Bye. Wait, wait, wait. Bye.